Welcome to Beyond Board, the podcast born from a nationwide community of today's best board members and board eligible executives. That community has now grown into a company that's reinventing recruiting with a top tier network and commitment to board diversity. Hi, I'm Sarah Zapp, an award winning journalist, relationship curator, and the CEO and founder of Beyond Board. So let's get real. Board members are powerful, impactful, and the ones actually guiding today's companies. So who do board members listen to and learn from? We know, and we're sharing them with you here on every Beyond Board episode. On this season, we talk to pioneering CEOs, a Nobel Prize winner, one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential, a billionaire investor, you get the idea. Real lessons learned, action items you can implement, behind the scenes stories, all to help you up your game to that board level mentality. Pull up a chair. Here's your Beyond Board seat at the table. It is great to have you for another Beyond Board Forum with the great Ariana Huffington. I know so many of you have been excited because I've already gotten so many of your questions. And it's fantastic to see people joining us. I can see from uh, San Francisco and LA and New York and Chicago and Seattle and all of you who sit on amazing boards and lead your companies. I think you're really in for a great treat. I want to give you guys a little bit of a uh, background for, for those of you that may not know Ariana's bio off the top of your head here. She is the co-founder, excuse me, the founder and CEO of Thrive Global. She also founded Huffington Post, which I know so many of you know. She is an author and board director. She's written, gosh, 15 books. She was on Time Magazine's list of 100 most influential people and Forbes most powerful women list. Um, Your accomplishments go on and on, but I think it's really fantastic what you've built uh, with Thrive Global because I don't think people really understand. I mean, you've basically built a, a behavior change tech platform in addition to, to to great content. And it seems to be more relevant than ever now being able to address a lot of the stress and mental health issues that people are going through, Ariana. Thank you so much. It's, it's great to be with you. Yes, I launched uh, Thrive Global in 2016. Uh, I, I left the Huffington Post to launch Thrive. And you're absolutely right. You know, the questions that we launch Thrive to address the stress and burnout epidemic, the mental health crisis have now become exacerbated. And really every company is dealing with them. I'm sure everybody um, on the Zoom call has stories to tell. But in all our work with big companies like Accenture and Verizon and Walmart and smaller companies, we're hearing the same story that is reflected in the country at large, which is a, a significant increase in depression and anxiety a lot of concern, not just among people in the HR departments, but people on boards, people in senior management, because it's affecting directly productivity and the bottom line. And so our work is based on this product, um, our Behavior Change App, as you mentioned, which um, is an enterprise SaaS product that uh, can help employees address both physical and mental health. 
You know, when all, when all of this started, you, you helped provide basically a new leadership playbook for people to start to think about how to really handle um, what was going on. And, and within that, you, you had a great question to have people ask. And the question was, how can you be in the the eye in the middle of the hurricane. And it started really to create a new mind shift um, for, for leaders and a lot of people on this call right now. What is your answer to that? How can people be the eye in the middle of the hurricane? Now, first of all, this is kind of a metaphor um, for the fact that we are in the middle of the hurricane and that every hurricane has this um, eye of the storm that is a place of calm and uh, Leaders have to find that place. Mm -hmm. And today, you know, I was uh, um, doing um, a Thrive training for the new officers at Walmart. You know, we have a um, five-year strategic partnership with Walmart to be their wellness provider. And it was so interesting. These are the new top leaders within the number one fortune company, Walmart. And the pressures on them at this moment are greater than ever. It's really like a perfect storm. We are dealing with a pandemic that we don't know when it's ending. They are dealing with unprecedented levels of stress within their teams. Plus, like every major company, they have to reinvent a lot of things, move more online, move more into digital e-commerce, reorg. And all that is happening at the same time, plus whatever we are all dealing in our own personal lives. Right. Right. You know, and it's interesting, your, your, your team shared some great uh, statistics on, on this as well to really show exactly what people are dealing with here. Um, the, you know, the, the prevalence of depression going up three times uh, in U.S. adults right here, um, that people are actually working up to 48 hours more a day, 13% having more meetings, yet they're looking at their productivity dropping five to 10%. And, and you look at that and you wonder, you know, people are depressed, they're working more, they're being less less productive. And, and you've really started to address this on, on why resilience is so important when you start to see these sorts of, sorts of statistics. Why did you zero in on the value of resilience? And that's a great question. We zeroed in on that because it's clear from the data that people respond to a crisis differently. Like the same set of events, challenges, circumstances, elicit different responses. Mm -hmm. So people who have not built their own foundation of resilience have a very, very hard time in a period which is so filled with uncertainty and uncertainty makes people anxious. <laughs> Remember, when the pandemic started, we thought maybe it would be six months, maybe, maybe it would be nine months. Now the truth is we don't know. And um companies everywhere are making decisions without full information. You shared something recently on your, on your social media. Um, and I liked this about resilience is not a fixed trait. We're born with it. It's a skill that we can practice and master. And even your friend Richard Branson made a comment um, about how well, well said that is, which, which goes into these six ways to build resistance. And you've taken a lot of time to offer up um, insight for actually not just thinking about it, but how people can start to, to build that. And the first thing you talk about is actually measuring mental resilience and emotional well-being. And I know you've created a tool for that. Can you talk a little bit about the need to actually quantify so people actually understand understand mental resilience and emotional well-being? 
we've created a mental resilience dashboard because I know from my own time on the board of Uber that I wish I had that dashboard as a board member to tell me where are we with the company. So we give um, management and boards um, a mental resilience score and a risk of burnout score based on both uh, individual biometrics, anonymized and aggregated, we are HIPAA compliant, we observe all privacy rules, and also based on company data about attrition, productivity, customer success, everything that a company measures. And that way, you know, we talk about uh, people being our most important resource, about how critical human capital is. But as boards, I think many of you uh, would um, attest to that. We measure everything, but we don't measure the state of our human capital. We measure cybersecurity risk, succession risk, uh, profit loss um, dashboards. So I think it's time that we take what's happening to human capital seriously. Yeah, and and you and you suggested a few other things uh, along that as well that I want people to be able to see. You talk about um, the whole human approach to well-being, um, creating transformational change in terms of rebuilding resilience. What do you, what do you mean about make just one better choice? And and I've seen that come up repeatedly with you about almost micro steps you're encouraging people to have and to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm so happy you mentioned microsteps because our app, our Thrive Global app, has these four journeys, which is the whole human approach, recharge, um, which is about sleep, as I hope you all have recognized by now, it's foundational both for our physical immunity and our mental health, and 60-second reset moments during the day that help us uh, really disconnect uh, from stress and course correct. And this is one of the most optimistic things I can say today, which is that we can course correct from stress. You know, stress is unavoidable, cumulative stress is not. <laughs> and that's really um, something that we are very passionate about. We just actually... Uh, announced a partnership with Zoom to bring Reset as an app within Zoom. So as we are all complaining about Zoom fatigue, you have the opportunity to create your own personalized guide. So mine has uh, pictures of um, my children, uh, my pets, uh, my favorite quotes, music that distresses me, and a breathing pacer. You can click and and um, watch your own personalized guide and play it anytime you are feeling stressed, and it suddenly reminds you of all the things you are grateful for in your life. And gratitude is the greatest antidote to stress and anxiety. That is so true. Do you? I mean, people talk about gratitude journals and things. What is your go-to to really implement gratitude into your everyday? Actually, um, my go-to is uh, what we call a Thrive Habit Stacking, which is um, because we are all short of time, whenever I'm doing something that doesn't require my brain, like washing my hands or brushing my teeth or washing the dishes, I uh, practice remembering three things I'm grateful for. 
And again, this is all science-based. If you um, look at your brain, you change neural pathways when you move to gratitude. Mm -hmm. And you know, you cannot be grateful and anxious at the same time. Try it, you can't do it. We were yeah. talking about recharge being one journey. The other three are fuel. Fuel is uh, about what we eat, how much we move. Very basic, you know, uh, the more we move, the, the easier it is to deal with the stress in our bodies. And we call our micro steps too small to fail. We don't have to think of an hour in the gym. We can think about five minutes walking around, turning some of our Zoom meetings into calls so we can take them while walking. And then on food, you know, it's very simple. Can we reduce sugar? Can you reduce processed foods? The third thing is focus. You know, a lot of people now are feeling so distracted by social media, by consuming coronavirus and other news, that we have a lot of tools to help them set boundaries like a cutoff point when you stop checking coronavirus news so you can begin to unwind and sleep. Another point that is now so clear with the latest science is that stress reduces productivity. Uh, Google searches for how can I get my brain to focus are up 300%. I may be guilty of that. <laughs> We're all guilty. And, and the third um, journey is connection. You know, how can we connect with ourselves and how can we connect with others, especially when, when we are not physically together? You talk about creating systems and technologies that allow people to course correct. And we touched on um, the, the reset there. And, and what do you mean by use the power of story? I thought that was an interesting approach to building resistance. So um, the power of story is so key because as our goal is behavior change, we realize that micro steps and nudges and science are not enough. We need inspiration. We need to have our hearts touched. So storytelling is key. So in every company we bring our up, we ask people to tell their stories of what they are doing. And that helps inspire their peers and others within the organization. And our app has two front doors. One is for people who are now working from home, knowledge workers. And the other is for frontline workers. Let's say for the 2 million associates, as they call them, who work in stores at Walmart. And this app is called Thrive Zip, ZP. And if you actually, we just started an Instagram account and I'd love you to take a look at it because it's so inspiring. Um, we profile literally Walmart associates who are engaging with this app and taking a 21-day challenge to improve any one part of their life, weight, fitness, family, finances, sleep. And at the end of it, to give financial rewards. And it's really inspiring because we see the impact these small incremental changes can make. You know, people losing um, 40 and 50 pounds, reversing diabetes. So that's really what makes me so optimistic that we can have a real impact. 
You know, we're getting a lot of great questions coming in. Um, even uh, Dr. May St. John that's there at UCLA, she said gratitude and love are such sources of strength and resilience, which she knows quite well. I wanted to actually um, pull up uh, Julie uh, Kent. She had a great question, especially understanding a lot of the, the stress that board members and leaders have. Julie, go ahead and uh, ask Ariana. Yes, I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you. Um, and my question was, because I love what you talked about with measuring human capital, the mental resilience, and the risk for burnout, but what are some suggestions for getting boards or leaders to really embrace this as a KPI or a target that is rather new for most companies? Um, what we are finding now is that... Um, CEOs and senior management are aware of the risks. So once senior management gets aware and once certain boards begin to implement this, it's going to spread. And we are working with different boards that are beginning to recognize the importance. And, um, and we are finding that employees are very willing to give biometric data, provided they are assured that it's anonymized and aggregated, because they are getting value in return. So there is the diagnostic element, but then there is a suite of solutions. You are the, the queen of reinventing and evolving. Ariana, it's amazing. Um, Huffington Post, a run for governor, Thrive Global, boards, an author. What is the key to evolving and reinventing yourself? I really think it's following your heart and your passion. Like I really thought Thrive was, I mean, I really thought the Huffington Post was going to be um, where I would stay uh, to the end because it was like a third child are so passionate about it. But then because of my own wake up call, collapsing, hitting my head on my desk, breaking my cheekbone because of burnout and exhaustion, I wanted to move from media to a behavior change tech company that could help people change their behavior. You know, through media, I could continue raising awareness about the topics because that's not enough anymore. You know, look at how many people you know who are very aware of what they should be doing, of how they should be leading their lives differently, but they have a hard time doing it. Yeah, there, there's a, there's that disconnect between what you know you should do and actually being able to get there. I want to I want to go to uh, Miriam Erickson. She had a quick question for you. Miriam, go ahead and introduce yourself and ask. Thank you. Um, I'm a brand new member of Beyond Board. Ariana, I'm a, a great admirer of yours from the 1980s. I remember when you first started on your path to success. I'm interested in your practice of sequencing. You know, you don't try to do everything all at once. You do them in a row, one thing at a time, and you move from one project to another. And thank you, Miriam, so much for all your kind words. Um, basically, sequencing is really about prioritizing. But the other part of prioritizing is being comfortable with incompletions. Because the truth is that I'm sure nobody here um, can get everything done that they could have done in the course of a day. So the only way that we can give ourselves time to recharge and be ready to start again the next day is 
to be able to prioritize what's important, which is really sequencing, and then recognize that we need to declare an end to the working day without having completed everything and give ourselves the time to recharge and to be able to um, start the next day without being exhausted. And, you know, I made so many mistakes in that regard. So I kind of learned firsthand how dangerous is our cultural assumption that you need to burn out to succeed. I'm going to go right now to uh, Nora May uh, Kadena, who's done an awful lot, especially along the lines of diversity. And I know you're a fund manager there. Go ahead, uh, Nora May. You had a great question for for Thank Ariana. Thank you. Yes, the question is, you know, and, and so many of us are playing multiple roles, and we're being added to lists and uh, considered superficially for different roles and opportunities. Um, as a way to check a box for diversity in the pipeline. So I'm finding that I'm having a lot of initial conversations. I'm being asked for resumes and blurbs and bios. Conversations are not moving forward. And so I wonder what is the right balance of being forthcoming and providing information, but also vetting these opportunities so that I'm not wasting time, right? And how do I do so with strategy and skill you know, but not turn people away. Right. Well, I think that for me, the first question to ask is, uh, is this company a company whose mission I'm aligned with and that I would like to put all my energy and passion behind? Because I'm sure not every request you're getting is something you're excited uh, at the prospect of uh, being involved in. So I would say that's probably the first question I would ask myself. And then uh, making sure that when you when we have interviews, you know how often we kind of have a sense of whether this is right, whether this is somebody I can trust, work with, and listening to this things, uh, observing maybe the red flags, you know, all the stuff that very often we ignore, especially when we are exhausted. And it's the same, it works both ways. When we are hiring, you know, very often we, we hire being very, very committed to taking that off our to-do list and being able to hire somebody and move on. So both ways, we need to listen to our intuition and, uh, and our own sense of whether this is the right position for us. I want to piggyback off a little bit. There has been such a, a movement for more diversity inclusion, always a topic, um, you know, around boards. Now, you know, legislation, private companies pushing for this more. You know, you, you, you've been in the boardroom where, where you've been the only woman. You've moved the needle on things like Uber. What is that? You know, instead of just a nice to have, what is it really about the business argument that diversity really is a good business move for, for companies that you feel um, we should be we should be addressing it and, and pushing, Ariana? And thank you, Sarah. That's such an important question because the truth is that diversity is a business necessity. Uh, we have so much data that diversity actually improves business outcomes. So I think it's, I think as Nora May said, she gets a lot of calls and a lot of requests. And this is not just because companies 
have to answer diversity questions. It's also because they know that diverse candidates and employees can bring in diverse viewpoints and make a big difference in the bottom line. I want to end with this. Um, How can we best support you, Ariana? How can our community step up and best support you? Well, uh, if any of your companies want to bring Thrive into the company with our app and webinars and support in health and mental health, please let me know. Also, if you are working with nonprofits, Miriam mentioned that, the app that we launched for frontline uh, workers with Walmart, Walmart has made available for free uh, to anybody. That's Thrive Zip. ZP, you can look at uh, the Instagram I mentioned, ThriveZip, and uh, we can offer it to you uh, for any uh, any nonprofits you are working with and any frontline workers maybe your company is working with. And we'd love to do that because we believe all these workers that we call essential workers now, that uh, that are really essential and don't have the luxury we have to work from home, need extra support and would love to help provide it. I just want to say, Ariana, I, I know that I have been um, friendly persistence and you have always been so kind and I appreciate all the work you've done and basically all the feedback we're getting uh, from people across the country with your insights. And we look forward to this just being the beginning of supporting all your work. So thank you, Ariana. Thank you so much, Sarah, and thank you for all the work you are doing. And thank you, everyone. Stay healthy and safe. Hope you enjoyed that insight and candidness. And this is just a start. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. And to learn more about our powerhouse board community and how we're reinventing board recruiting, check us out at beyondboard.co. That's C-O. Or hit us up on LinkedIn or Instagram. I'm Sarah Zapp, and we'll have a seat waiting for you at our Beyond Board table.